Well, good morning, City of Angels Church. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here with all of you. Uh, you know, it's a little bit sad that we don't have the McKeans with us today, but they're in Chicago, and they send you their love. Uh, but it's great to be here with all of you. Great to be here, of course, with the Blackwells. What an incredible communion. Let's give it up again. Um, we are in good hands here with this team. Uh, I'm just so grateful for you, bro. And uh, honestly, in all humility, there's, there's so much you can do that I have no idea how to do. When, when he gets up to do those incredible welcomes and lessons and just grabs the entire crowd automatically, and then I get up with my, my little Irish-Canadian self, very, very formal, I'm like, dude, <laughs> can it even be done? Can I learn? <laughs> but uh, I believe that one day I will learn, amen? But, uh, but not today. Um, it's uh, such an honor to be here with you and G. Uh, so grateful to the Antalans uh, and the Kirshners, our congregational shepherds. I gotta, I gotta just say, guys, it is an amazing thing. We, I just can't say it enough that the follow rate of the City of Angels Church was dropped by 38% in 2019. So grateful to have the Fumbas here with us, Blaze and Patricia. Blaze did an amazing job with the, uh, the welcome, uh, the, uh, the first speech of the conference, the winter workshop, uh, with the uh, Bible talk leaders and just set those Bible talk leaders on fire uh, and just got us ready uh, for an incredible, incredible year. So grateful for the Economos, excuse me, the Economos, uh, who, uh, who uh, manage our finances here in LA, uh, which is a, 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 you need to be close to Jesus. Um, and uh, yeah, this, that man has good quiet times uh, and a great wife. She's encouraging. Without him, he'd probably be dead. Uh, but uh, he's, and he also oversees the finances and administration for the tribe world sector. Very grateful for him. Uh, let's give it up again for Brian and Joali who ran the winter workshop. You know, this is very encouraging for me because you'll notice most conferences, I'm kind of like floating right there and making sure everything's, you know, happening and whatnot. And I'm just running around with a clipboard. But this time, I wasn't. Thank you, Brian. Um, all, you know, uh, uh, a couple that are very close to our heart is uh, R.D. and April Baker. Uh, love those guys. April was back in hospital for one night uh, at Christmas time, and uh, she didn't want anybody to know about it, but now that she's out, I'm squealing. Um, so, great to have you out, sis. God just always takes such good care of you, and we love you guys very much. Um, did the uh, AMS did an incredible job with that presentation? I mean, I was, I was thinking about doing the song myself. Um, and then I said, maybe, do you guys need me on the dance crew? And they were like, no, bro, I don't think, I think we had enough people. We're good, we're good. I said, all right. I just want to offer my services where they're needed. Um, they, the Coens did an amazing job with the contribution sharing. Thank you, my brother. Um, and uh, just so grateful for all the region leaders, all the sector leaders, uh, all the brothers and sisters. Just everybody's done such an incredible job. Um, so many amazing people raising up. And uh, God is just, just blessing his people uh, in an amazing way. It's great to have all the, uh, the Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters here with uh, my dear brother, Victor, my, my first discipler in the kingdom. Um, when I joined the new movement, we, uh, we, we came to the GLC, me and Leanne, and uh, we, we had an incredible time. They invited us over for lunch. We'd been married about one year, and uh, they sat us down. They said, how's your marriage? And I said, great. Why do you ask? And then Victor goes, and I look over at Leanne, and she's crying. <laughs> What is, what is this? <laughs> and uh, they just gave us an incredible, uh, our first of many million discipling times. And uh, just love you guys very much. And uh, got me hooked on Mexican cooking. Let's blame Sonia. Uh, but uh, just so grateful for you guys and uh, love you guys very much. Today, we're going to jump into our scriptures here to close out. 
And uh, the, the title of the lesson is The Vision Will Be Fulfilled. The Vision Will Be Fulfilled. You know, the famous scripture about visions and dreams is in Joel chapter 2. And it says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women. I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. In the Old Testament, the day of the Lord was never a joyful day. You show me a scripture of celebration in the Old Testament regarding the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord was a dreadful day. And yet, because of Jesus and his sacrifice, for us... Most of us think the day of the Lord is going to be an incredible day. You know why? Because the day of the Lord will be an incredible day for disciples. In Habakkuk 2, 3, the scripture says, the vision will be fulfilled. And that is true. Every vision from God will be fulfilled. And yet sometimes we can ask, God, what is your vision for my life? What's the vision for me? Proverbs 25 verse 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to seek it out. It's to God's glory to hide his vision for your life sometimes. And it's to your glory to go and find out what God really wants from you. Are you guys with me? And is that not true? I mean, when you see, when you find out what God was really planning through a hardship, aren't you like, wow, God is amazing. It's to God's glory. But don't you feel a little bit smarter too? That's to your glory. God speaks to mankind because there are many things about God and his nature that we cannot discover in any other way. So grateful to the uh, McDonald's for helping us out run the ICCM here uh, in Los Angeles. And there we're, we're teaching these future evangelists and women's ministry leaders. And wasn't it incredible to see the Grangers and Esparza's get appointed? And then, uh, and then uh, Everardo made his first two mistakes as an evangelist within one minute. You still can't beat my record. I, I was making my mistakes almost immediately, but he, 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 it was about a minute that he didn't thank his wife or his discipler, Mike Underhill. But he quickly went and apologized, and so I'm sure. <laughs> he worked it all out. But there's, there's so much about God's purposes, who God is, what, what this world is, that we cannot discover from looking under a microscope. The scientific world are looking under a microscope hoping that they can find God. You don't find God under a microscope. God puts you under a microscope. They're, they're hoping that one day they're going to walk in the forest and see God's footprint like the Sasquatch. God tracks you down. You don't track God down. The, the, the thinking you're going to discover God in that way shows a total lack of understanding of who God is. <laughs> God's, God has to reveal to us about the world or we would never know. And that's called visions and dreams or revelation. Are you guys with me? There's an entire book dedicated to this idea. Who, is, who are the people who received revelations from God? Abraham had an incredible revelation. Jacob had a, had a revelation. Balaam, who was not even a good guy, had a revelation. Samuel had a re revelation. Nathan had a revelation. Ezekiel and, D and Daniel, two very famous revelations, very famous visions. Obadiah, Nahum, 
Habakkuk, Amos, Zechariah, Peter, James, and John saw a vision of the transfigured Jesus. Stephen had a vision, an incredible vision. As he became the first martyr, he looked up into heaven and saw, saw Jesus at the right hand. And for the first time, the, the scripture describes Jesus as standing. He was standing in honor of the first Christian martyr. Could you imagine that would be your last, last thing you would see? <laughs> the last revelation. Just whoop, and then lights out. Boom. And then he would have been up in heaven, seated under God with all the other martyrs waiting for the first day of eternity. Stephen received a martyr, uh, so received a, uh, a, a vision. Paul received visions. Even Pontius Pilate's wife had a vision. And yet, God is not the only one trying to shape our thinking. Satan also tries to influence us. The scriptures say in Revelations 12 verse 9, he deceives the whole world. Satan is good at sending his visions. In John 8, 44, the scripture says, Satan was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. He's also trying to influence our thinking. In Ephesians 6, 11 to 22, the scripture says Satan has schemes to influence our minds and our hearts. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the scripture says Satan is constantly prowling around, looking to change your mind, change your heart. In Romans 12, the Bible says we must hate what is evil. And yet I believe there are too many Christians who don't hate anything. They have no hate in their heart towards sin that destroys our family and tortures us. Have we been influenced by Satan over the Christmas holiday? Have we heard a little bit of his vision? Put your hand up if you've thought the following thoughts. Life is boring. I am no one. I must seek pleasure and escape. I need to buy things. That one. I can't see what God wants. Leave your hand up, don't we? You'll make it. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know who I am. I do not belong. I can't be open. I'm trapped. I hate myself. I cannot change. I am alone. I will not be successful. No one will ever be loyal to me. I will not be missed. I have no hope. Have you thought any of those thoughts? Guess who's been talking to you? Satan is a lot more active in our church than I think we believe. And yet, God sends us a more powerful vision. A vision of freedom. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, the poor prophet Isaiah was sitting there, not a very popular guy, not many followers. He says, who has believed our message? Why, why, why would someone ask a question like that <laughs> if they feel like a lot of people are listening? Who has believed our message? Like, literally, God, is there anyone in Jerusalem who listens to me? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who sees the power of God? And who's been clouded by the lies of Satan? Let's not, let's not be trivial or take lightly Satan's influence in our church. My hand was up. Your hand was up. 
Satan's at work. We have an enemy. Satan is not your friend. He does not like you. When he tempts you, it's not, he, he doesn't want to be friends with you. He hates you. When he's taking you out, husbands, he's going to go after your wife. When he's taking your wife out, he's going to go after your children. He wants to take out your neighbors. And the whole time he wants you wondering, is there even a Satan? This is a deadly enemy. We are a church at war. Some people say, I don't like war concept analogy stuff. What do you want to call it? Does what I just talked about sound like Disneyland? He grew up like a tender shoot. Hope. Can you imagine like one little green sprout coming up out of the desert? He grew up, he grew up like a tender shoot. Like a root out of dry ground. Imagine an entire desert. And one little, hopeful, little green shoot, light green, fluorescent almost, coming up out of the ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. People were never crowding around Jesus when he was a teen. He's so cool, I love his hair. <laughs> Everything ugly or wrong about someone he had. Are you with me? Nothing in his appearance. He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. No, like one whom people hide their faces. He was despised. And we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. I mean, who, who doesn't look at the cross and go, you know, your first time at church, you look at a cross and you go, who would do that to somebody? Right? Is this like the blessings of God? Like, this is the king of kings? It's, it's confusing. It doesn't make sense. Why would, why would someone suffer like this? But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. You know what inequities are? It's when you put something on a balance. So you put something good on this side, and then you put our stuff on this side, and it goes like this. Ka-chunk. That's inequities. Because what we're doing doesn't measure up. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the inequity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted when soldiers twisted together the, the crown of thorns and, and found a robe for him. This will do. And got the sticks together that they were going to hit him with. That was all from God. It was God putting together the crown of thorns. It was God bringing the sticks. It was God finding the, the, the scepter for him. It was God who was allowing him to be whipped for one sole purpose, that one person could be saved. That, that one person would be able to stand in his presence on the great day of the Lord. That when each one of us would stand before God and all of our sins would be apparent over our head and we would fully know we're going to hell. That someone would be able to come forward and say, I died for him. I died for Adrian Keller. I died for Jim Fenton. I died for Ryan Keenan. 
And then those brothers would celebrate in joy <laughs> because they would look over the edge of the precipice into hell and not fall off. But yet go to an incredible eternity with God. This is the vision. This is a vision of freedom. It's a vision that, that God wants us to hear this morning. Not, I'm nothing. Not, I need to seek escape. Not, I'm a loser. Not, I have no hope. Not, life is boring. Life is not boring. Do you understand that there's not been a movement like ours? Do you, do you really know how God has worked through Kip and Elena McKean? Do you know that this man stood up and said, this is the Bible, we're going to do this thing? I mean, you would think that that would not be such a complicated <laughs> thing to do, but I didn't do it. I'm pretty sure you didn't do it. But we saw him do it. And we got behind him. And we got behind her. And then God has blessed his movement in an incredible way. This is one of a, over a hundred churches now in the sold-out movement around the world. God has given us a vision of freedom. I remember in my own life when, when pain had reached its pinnacle. And um, I was a bartender. I was doing my political science major. I had sinned grievously in ways that I never thought I would ever sin. I had, I had, I didn't even believe in God, but I had begun to feel that someone hated me. And I started to know that God hated me. I knew that there would have to be punishment for what I've done. And I, I in my conscience, I knew we don't live in a vacuum. And the, the, the emotional pain was so high that I remember getting down on my knees in my bedroom and praying the weirdest prayer ever. Dear God, teach me to worship you. Never prayed before. <laughs> it just came out. I was like, whoa, what was that? Amen. <laughs> and got in bed. The very next day, a Jamaican brother came up to me, Kobe Anderson, very next day. He says, would you like to come to my church? I would like you to hear me sing. Like, is that not the most direct answer you could possibly imagine? Right? So, as you, you know, you can imagine, I was like, God, you've answered my prayer. No, I'm like, uh, I don't believe in church. I think I'm starting to believe in God, but since I was an altar boy and I was a Catholic and I, I grew up in the church, I, I'm positive you guys don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I've already tried Christianity. Even though I'd never heard of it. And um, he walked away. The next day, he sees me talking to an attractive young lady. At one point, I was a very handsome young man. It's not a legend, it's true, okay? At one point, I was very handsome, amen. Leanne remembers. And so, I, I, um, I was, um, I'm standing there, and no, no young guy likes to get dissed in front of a girl. You know what I'm saying? So it, I know it took courage for him to come up to me again. Hey, dude, I really want you to come out to my church. He had been praying and fasting to be fruitful. <laughs> and he's like, this dude, he's like, this dude needs God. Like, oh my gosh, it's so obvious. And we had two classes together at Concordia University. And um, he, uh, and I said, listen, dude, I, I politely told you last time, I'm not interested in coming to church. 
I, I want to learn about I want to learn about God and spirituality as I looked over at the young lady. <laughs> trying to learn about spirituality. I'm spiritual. <laughs> but I don't want to go to church. And he walked away. A third time. He came up to me. He says, listen. This is the last time I'm going to talk to you. <laughs> it's my birthday. I want to invite you to my birthday party where you can eat as much as you want. So we, we know what he thought of me, right? And I want you to meet some of my friends. And then I will never bother you again. I go, deal. So he picks me up takes me to this backyard full of white people and black people and Latin people and Asian people and the way they were talking to each other, the, 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 the courtesy they had, the, the respect they had, the love they had. I walked in and the first thing that came to my mind is, dude, I'm going to become a Christian, aren't I? And I started studying the Bible with, now, now, you can, you know, I can't tell if a guy is good looking or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I look at a guy, I'd swear, I, I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like, I can't tell the difference between me and Adam Zepeda. Okay? Like, I can't, I can't tell the difference. But this, this gorgeous black dude came up to me. And I can't tell the difference, but I knew he was good looking. And, and he comes up to me, and uh, this dude was stoked. He was chiseled. He was like a, just like a model, like, like, a, like an angel or something. And he had a French accent. He goes, would you like to study the Bible? Two weeks later, I got baptized. Now, now, now this dude had a girlfriend, and her name was Leanne Brown. Her name was Leanne Brown, and he broke up with her, and she was vulnerable. And I got in there. I, I noticed her at, at my first, I noticed her the first time I came to church. I walked in and there was this beautiful woman, vision, a vision, a dream. Doing this sort of like African like dance, dance singing thing up there. I don't know why they didn't ask me to do it, but anyway, she was doing it. And... Uh, and I turned to, to the brother who invited me. I said, this is the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. And uh, he turned to me angrily. I was like, I'm shocked. <laughs> he turned to me angrily and he goes, first get to know Jesus. <laughs> then get to know the sisters. I was like, whoa, touchy, touchy. Well, well when, this, when this poor brother mistakenly broke up with Leanne, which was like probably the biggest mistake of his life, in my opinion, I got in there. And uh, I remember I couldn't speak around Leanne. I was leading the teen ministry at the time. And... Um, and his little, her little sister, Angie, would always embarrass me because when Leanne would come over to, to tell me something or whatever, uh, little Angie would say, Tim, why are you so red when my sister... Why do you get so red when my sister comes around? Like, Angie, stop! And um, 
I remember working out. I remember working out with a brother. I mean, Leanne was like, and is sick, way out of my league, right? <laughs> to this day, nothing has changed. I just live with it. It's, I am who I am. I am least among the apostles, but I am who I am by the grace of God. You know, Ron knows what I'm talking about. Me and Ron live with this pain every day. Great to have Ron Harding from Atlanta in the house. Every day me and Ron wake up like this. But uh, the, uh, the, uh, I was leading the team ministry and the evangelist said, hey bro, I want you to come over to my house. We want to talk about the team camp. I said, fair enough. So I go over there and, and literally like Leanne was so far out of my league that um, I remember working out with a brother one time. And we're working out, and, you know, he's, like, patronizing me a little bit. He's like, so, bro, any sisters on the horizon? And, you know, what are your thoughts? You're... I do this all the time to people. And um, I said, well, I, I think I really like Leanne Brown. He put his weights down. He goes, you are so prideful. I can't even talk to you and walked away from me. Talk about building each other up, you know what I mean? And, um, and so, um, so we're there at this team camp meeting, and um, Ron can tell a story just like this one. And um, we're, I'm sitting at the team camp meeting, and uh, the evangelist goes, okay, so listen, uh, we gotta talk about the teens, but I just wanna let you know, uh, Leanne Brown is open to date. Um, you could ask her to be your girlfriend anytime you're ready. And I was like, what? He goes, I don't want to talk about this, Tim. I don't want to talk about this. I want to talk about the teens. I'm like, we cannot talk about the teens right now. And I went outside and I was walking in circles. The next day, we had this tradition of having all the campus and singles over to our house and, uh, and making pancakes. Now, Leanne was four years in the faith. I was one year in the faith. So in a way, she was robbing the, the cradle a little bit. But um, we were, uh, I was making pancakes, and I look around. You know the way the kingdom is. I look around. Suddenly, there's no one in the kitchen except Leanne. And she says to me, so, did Danny talk to you yesterday? I go, I go, do you sure you want to talk about this? And she goes, let's talk about it. I go, let's go back. So we go back, I go, I'm crazy about you. You're going to be my girlfriend. But we got to do this right. Amen? And she goes, amen. And later she told me that was the moment she knew we were going to get married. In one year, God's vision of freedom took a stone-cold turkey, like myself, <laughs> to a saved disciple of Jesus, free of my sins, and dating Leanne Brown. God, God doesn't just want to take care of your spiritual life. God wants to take care of your physical life. God wants to take care of your whole life. You don't need Satan and his lies. Satan's not our friend. We've got to listen to God's vision. A vision of freedom. God has given us a vision of freedom. But he's also given us a vision of eternity. Turn with me to Revelations 21.
In Revelations 21, starting in verse 1, the Bible says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and earth had been passed away, and I say, good riddance. And there was no longer any sea. I didn't like the sea anyway. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. A vision of paradise, a vision of heaven. Who needs to escape when we could escape with Jesus, possibly tonight, possibly tomorrow? We don't know when judgment day will be, and we do not know when our last day will be. I, uh, I had a brother, uh, Michael Peterson, bring me over some coffee the other day. And he said, this is very strong coffee, which I've heard before. Well, I had six espresso shots just to find out, you know, as I was going through my morning. And then literally, I started having heart palpitations. All day, my, I could feel my heart, like... And I, I started asking myself, are me and Michael good? Is, he, is this guy trying to kill me? I have, I have rebuked him before. But, but honestly, I thought about eternity for a second. I'm like, am I good? Am I ready to go? And I had to get on the phone and confess a few things and just get a few things in order, just in case Michael was trying to take me out. But this is, this is the worst thing you have to look forward to. Heaven. That's it. That's the big sadsy time after death. And we're going to get to be up there with our brothers and sisters who have gone before us. You can, you can spend time with David. You'll be able to spend time with all the prophets and ask all the inside questions. And we'll be there with Wazir. Wazira was a, what a, what a sister. You know, Wazira used to call me every week to see how I was doing from the hospital bed. And then at her celebration of life ceremony, someone shared from the pulpit that Wazira had a list of 10 weak Christians. I'm not saying who they are. But Wazir would call these weak Christians every week. And I'm in the back going, Amen. <laughs> That's a true story. But we'll be there with her. Possibly tomorrow. Possibly tonight. This is, how does that compare with Satan's vision? Go look at internet pornography and escape for a few minutes. Go, go get drunk and wake up feeling ashamed of yourself. Go, go make yourself feel better by tearing somebody else down. How does that, how does that compare with heaven for eternity, with God, with Jesus, and with our family. God's vision is worth fighting for. Let me close out here. God gives us a vision of fruitfulness. Like, like are God's visions good enough to satisfy us? Like, are you encouraged yet? A vision of fruitfulness. Of of freedom. 
a vision of hope, a vision of, of heaven for eternity. And we will, we will be in heaven or hell for eternity as sure as you are sitting here right now. And it will come upon you like a thief in the night. That is for sure. Are you guys with me? And yet as disciples, we can rejoice because we believe God's vision. We believe God's promises. And we know we will be with God for eternity. And yet, this may come as a little bit of a shock, but God's vision of fruitfulness, God's vision of saving people has been from the beginning and it was not satisfied on the day of your baptism. Too many people are like, dude, I got baptized. God is fully satisfied. He doesn't want a single other person. We're good. I got baptized. All I got to do is have quiet times and go to heaven now. God is rejoicing. The angels are rejoicing. You didn't hear those scriptures, right, dude? You're now a worker. You're now a worker. You're a happy worker. You're a well-paid worker. You're going to be a well-rewarded worker. There needs to be nothing more said. And yet in Genesis chapter 1, verse 22, we see from the beginning God's focus on fruitfulness. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. This, is, this has always been God's plan. Verse 9 of the, same, of the same scripture. Let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. And, and it was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered seas and waters. The waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. Then he said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land, and fruit-bearing plants with seeds in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seeds in it according to their kinds. God's plan was not just for mankind to be fruitful and to multiply. God wants pretty much everything he's created to be fruitful and to multiply. In Genesis 28, God gives the same vision to Abraham. Go forth, be fruitful, multiply. Your people will be like the stars in the sky and the sand on the ground. He repeats this promise to him multiple occasions. God calls his people to this multiple times. It's a vision from God. It's the vision of fruitfulness. I love what, what Corey said. Fruitfulness is not about hard work. It's about heart work. It's about overcoming the lies of Satan. It's not worth it to share your faith. People fall away. We all, you know, when they get baptized, then they're a big hassle for two years. You're going to be exhausted. You were fruitful five years ago. That's not the abundant harvest that God is looking for. In Matthew 35, please turn with me there. And we'll close here. In Matthew 21, pardon me. That would have been bad. Verse 33. God commanded fruitfulness. The prophets called for fruitfulness. God's vision has always been for there to be a light to go out to all mankind. God wants the entire world to be saved right now. And has a plan to do it. Disciples, go make disciples. And believes we can do it. God is always hopeful. God is, God is never discouraged. God is looking down right now at this room. Fully, I believe this. It's in the scriptures. And he goes, disciples can make disciples who can make disciples. We can go get the whole world. This is a very interesting time to be alive. This has not happened in hundreds of years. And yet, Jesus warned these people in Matthew 21, starting in verse 33. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. 
Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he said, I will sit. He sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He'll bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give them his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said, have you never read the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. God wants every brother and sister in this room to be fruitful. There's only one way to do it that I am aware of. you got to pray to God to be a worker, and then God gives you the strength, because we don't have it on our own. And you share your faith, you get involved in Bible studies, and you baptize somebody. I'm not aware of another plan. Are you guys with me? It starts with praying to God. And then fasting. Today was my first day of no coffee. I had, I had tea this morning, and I'm not going to complain. I, this is my world now. A, a wonderful sister brought me a tea with two tea bags in it to maybe simulate coffee. I don't know. But it was, it was delicious. I'm looking forward to coffee again, but I'm not looking forward to coffee until I've been fruitful. I'd like to go home and unwind tonight and watch some Netflix, but I will not. I will not watch TV. I will not watch movies until I've been fruitful. I'm not aware of another way. I got I to gotta pray, but then I got to take away some stuff I like, so I really focus on God. Are you guys with me? And if we all do that, then we'll be fruitful. Every single person. Too many people talk about L.A. getting to 1,000. That's none of your business. I, I've heard region leaders who didn't grow their region last year talk about L.A. getting to 1,000. You get your region to 100, dude. Then L.A. will get to 1,000. It's too easy to go 1,000. Yeah, for Tim and Leanne, pray for those guys. What about you? What about me? What about my Bible talk? My sector, my region, my super region. I need to set an example. We need to set an example. Or God will take his kingdom away from us. I'm not here to make you feel good. I'm here to make you feel God. Y'all don't want to hear the word of God. Y'all don't want to hear the word of God? Y'all don't want to hear the word of God? We are responsible. Has God's visions to us been lacking in any way? Has he not provided us freedom? Has he not provided us great vision? Does God not promise us an eternity with him in heaven? And what does he ask? That we love another person enough? That we care about another soul enough? That we help them to have the same blessings that we have? Now the scripture comes with a, with a little weird twist to it at the end. It says if you fall on this rock, that's what it's going to take. you got to break yourself. There's going to be some stuff that you need to break in your life. If you weren't fruitful last year, newsflash, you will not be fruitful next year. You will not. Your life is not built for it. 
at all. You got to fall on the rock. Then you will be broken, but, but like those beautiful Japanese vases, you can be put back together with gold. You will be better after breaking yourself walking out of today. And yet, if you refuse to break yourself and be put back together with gold, the rock will fall on you and you will be crushed. I'm not here to tell anybody any sweet nothings. I got to tell you what the real scriptures actually say. Every single brother and sister in here can be fruitful. And yet today is a very sober day for the City of Angels Church. Because 909 disciples, who are amazing disciples, who sent out 35 missionaries at our Christmas service, who raised $1.7 million, who are awesome, have been sent a little warning from God today. We don't have a single baptism. Not one disciple will baptize another disciple. The Bible is very clear. Where there are workers, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So, so it's not Christmas to blame. It's not New Year's to blame. It's not the transitions to blame. I can't blame any of those people. I am sobered. I am sober like a heart attack today. Today I'm not rejoicing. I'm not myself. Because I know I was not living a lifestyle where fruitfulness was going to happen over the past month. And at very least, if I'm going to call myself the leader of the City of Angels Church, I could at least be an example. So I want to apologize to you. But now is a day for all of us, including myself. I had communion. <laughs> I'm, I'm forgiven. <laughs> I got to rejoice now that God is giving me another chance. And he's giving all of us a chance. God, God wants one thing from his people. That we have faith in him. That's it. Just that we believe him. That we believe the vision will be fulfilled. I'm going I'm to, you know, I like callbacks, right? So we're going, to do, we're going to close out with a little call back here. I'm going to say, God gives us a vision of protection. And you're going to say, the vision will be fulfilled. I'll say various different other visions. And you'll say, the vision will be fulfilled. And then I'm going to walk off the stage. <laughs> God gives us a vision of protection. God gives us a vision to go to all nations. You can stand if you want. God gives us a vision of fearlessness. God gives us a vision of freedom. God gives us a vision of heaven. God gives us a vision of battle. And God gives us a vision of fruitfulness. I love you guys very much.